Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. Welcome, everybody, to Episode 3 of the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, brought to you by CST Tires. We're recording this following some intense racing at Unadilla, heading into Redbud next, and um, that should be a pivotal point in this championship for, for all of the ATV motocross classes. So we'll get into that, but before we go any further, uh, I want to thank our sponsors here for the show. Without them, none of this would be possible. Our title sponsor, CST Tires, csttires.com, uh, the Pulse MXR tire, the best tire on the market. Thanks to those guys, and I suggest the, the soft compound, white label, rear tire, and the front tire is fantastic as well, so thanks to those guys. Also thanks to DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. They bring us our featured guest each week. Uh, thanks to those guys. Thank you to Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, DP Brakes, 100% goggles, and their new Armega goggle. And we picked up a couple of new sponsors since the previous show. Oats Overnight, thanks to those guys for coming on board. Life is hard. Make breakfast easy. Simply combine with milk before bed and enjoy your to-go breakfast in the morning. Overnight oatmeal loaded with superfoods, perfect for athletes, Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. OatsOvernight.com. Thanks to those guys for coming on. And we're also happy to announce that 4Works Carbon has came on board to support the growth of our podcast. The 4Works name is synonymous with unrivaled quality and constant innovation. They may be known for their carbon parts and seat covers, but they have so much more to offer. It's an honor to partner with another top-tier brand like 4Works. Check those guys out today, and thanks to them for coming on board. And most of all, a man and a brand that we've talked about on this show, thanks to Ian Harris and SSI Decals for coming on board in a major way. Um, Ian and SSI Decals have supported me through thick and thin, and now he's supporting my podcast, and I'm just so grateful. And that leads me... um, right into our big news about the upcoming live show. SSI Decal's support has played a huge role in making the live show happen, and uh, because of that, we've named SSI Decal's the presenting sponsor. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast live show presented by SSI Decal's will be Friday evening, July 19th, right inside my pits at Redbud at 6 o'clock sharp, featuring all members of the Team USA ATVMX team, Come and join Chad Weenan, Thomas Brown, Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, and myself. A sit-down conversation with the top riders in our sport is rare, so you're not going to want to miss this. Come and see the show live in person at the track, watch live on Facebook, or enjoy it in its entirety as a podcast after the weekend. I owe a huge thank you to those four riders for giving us their time. Different combinations of the four have represented us and achieved back-to-back Quad Cross of Nations championships. They'll sit down with us before they go for the three-peat this season. So again, thanks to SSI Decals for their support of the show and the live show. And thanks to all of our sponsors. Support the brands that support us. Okay, so let's dive right into the Evans Coolant Sight Lab segment. On tonight's show, we'll talk all things Unadilla. We'll take a look forward to this upcoming weekend at Redbud. 
And five-time national champion Logan Stanfield will join the show following a Pro-Am podium at Unadilla. So joining us once again to talk about the racing at Unadilla is former AMA ATV Pro Rookie of the Year and multi-time Pro-Am national event winner, Tyler Hamrick. Let's welcome back Tyler Hamrick to the show. What's going on, buddy? Thanks for coming back. Da, 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 da. Not much, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Ready to talk some moto. I'm always down to talk some ATV motocross. All right, man. Yeah, so let's talk some Unadilla. Crazy racing. First moto, Joel rips the whole shot, runs away. Um, and like we had talked about on the previous episode, he's always so tough to beat up at that racetrack that uh, – you, you kind of you knew he was gonna be was gonna be tough there, and that track just seems to suit him, you know, super well. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to give him a start there. No, that's gonna be tough. And Chad started about fifth, and Unadilla isn't an easy track to pass on. We kind of covered that last time as well. So I knew nope. his inevitable charge to the front was gonna be fun to watch, and that's kind of where I found my focus. Um. Brandon Hogue, he started second in the first moto there and kind of got freight trained, you know, for a lap or two. Yeah, um, he had some guys behind him. Yeah, so he went back to fifth and then hung tough the rest of the moto, um, even put pressure on Jeffrey. Um, so, yeah, so he, I mean, he looked the part of a top five guy there in that first moto. And so, so as the moto goes on, Chad gets all the way up to Thomas, who was having a great race. Thomas was riding really well. And mm-hmm. Chad made a killer pass on him, set him up around the apple tree corner there and um, kind of like slingshotted and went outside in and made a really nice move on Thomas. So he moved in the second. And meanwhile, Joel is way out front. And, I mean, I don't even think anybody was paying attention anymore so late in the moto. And uh, something happened to his machine. The, the quad actually, like, shut off or something. He had to push it to the finish. Yeah, wild. That was crazy. It's crazy you say that. I was watching it live on Instagram, and at the end of the video, Brandy Cottage said, oh, Joel didn't cross the finish line, and the video, like, cut out. So I had to jump back to quad radio and listen to the live announcer, and there's like, two minutes where you didn't know – if he got the win or not and i was just like oh my god he was killing him and then yeah that happens but that was yeah. that was cool that he still got the w he's had some tough luck with mechanical stuff this year and uh like i said there was nothing weird going on with the bike at least not that you could hear or see it didn't look like he was slowing down like you know like the the last couple laps the last lap nothing like that and then when i saw the replay I mean, he's going up that last hill, and you could tell it's slowing down a little bit. And uh, that's a big hill at Unadilla, so he makes it up the hill. He's, like, getting close to the finish line. He hops off. He pushes it, and he does not cross, like, the crest of the top of the finish line. Yeah, jump. He doesn't, yeah. He, yeah, he doesn't take the checkered flag. He just got it to, to, where the, the, e-score line to the e-score transponder, and they, they, they ruled that that was enough to get him uh, – to get him the finish. So that was like, man, that, that was, was crazy. that was some unexpected late race drama for sure. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that to happen. Uh, I always wondered when I was like going through the ranks, why they put the e-score line right there and not at the actual face of the jump. But that definitely came into his advantage that moto. Yeah. So I've never been in this, uh, in that situation before. Um, 
for anybody who follows the dirt bike motocross, there was a great outdoors movie from like 2005 or something. And Mike Alessi like crashed like in the last corner and he couldn't push his bike up the finish line. And he tried and tried and tried. And they're like, he's like, where's the line? Where's the line? And the, the flagger, the official or whatever there said, no, you have to push it across the finish line. And really? he didn't and didn't get a finish. Like he was right at the front, you know, he'd like won the first moto or something. That's back when four strokes were still super hard to start. And, uh, so yeah, like I, that's, I had never had any personal experience with it and that happened. So my, my mind goes back to that. Well, earlier this season at Crawfordsville, I won the first moto. The second moto I had, I was, you know, I had a comfortable lead. I was checked out and something started going wrong with electrical on my bike and it was breaking up the last couple laps and the last lap, it was getting worse and worse. And my bike shut off with two corners to go. So I kicked it 50 times. Somehow it starts back up. I make it to the last corner. It shuts off again. And I did the same exact thing. I pushed it up the finish line. And I'm like, the, again, at Crawfordsville, that, that's like a rhythm section. Yeah, yeah, the finish line. yeah, so I'm like pushing it, and then I turn, and I'm pulling it, and I'm doing everything I can. And the score lady is like, you're good. I got you. Like, I got the front of my bike just up the face of the jump enough that it scored. And, uh, man, Joel had, Joel was doing the same thing. He, like, hopped off that thing, but he had some momentum and pushed it as far yeah. as he had. But I was really curious to see – I mean, I was listening to the radio, too, thinking, man, what are they going to rule here? Yeah. And I saw Harv on his quad racing over to the finish line area or over by E-Score. And, yeah, they, they gave Joel the win. But that was like some some unexpected drama there that, I mean, he was checked out and ended up, ended up yeah, ended up ended up being a super, uh, super interesting finish to Moto1. Yeah. Yeah, you got to imagine that Chad and Thomas were probably thinking they went one and two on that one. Well, obviously, right if you're the other rider, you're going to say, oh, he didn't cross the finish line, you know. And I was yeah, curious. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know how they were going to rule. Like I said, he didn't He didn't take the checkered flag. He just yeah. passed the transponder line. I didn't know what it was going to rule. So um, that was really interesting. So in Moto1, Hetrick, Weenan, Brown, Rastrelli, Hogue, that was your top five. And at the start of Moto2, the drama wasn't over. Um, yeah. I didn't know this until shortly before the finish line or before the, the Moto started, but apparently Hetrick's quad won fire. So yeah. I don't know that he took the sight lap, but I did see images or video now after the fact of yeah. his quad like on its side and they're working on it on the start line, like in between – you know, in between Chad and, and the thirty second card going up, right? Pretty much, between Chad and Janusa, between Chad and Janusa, his quad is on his side. Yeah, that's not quite a lot of things going through his mind at that point. Not the way you want to start the moto, but yeah. So yeah, crazy. Like your mind's racing, but then when that happens. A lot of times it makes you race that much harder because you're like, oh, thank God I made it, you know, mm-hmm. like like we're going to make it count. So they got the thing going in time, you know, but that could have had something to do with his subpar start for yep. his standards because he's always right at the front. 
and he came out kind of inverted from Chad. He was about fifth or, you know, in that area, fourth or fifth. Chad grabs the whole shot, and like I said, now it's roll reversal. Um, so it's Joel makes a couple super quick moves, and it's Chad, Jeffrey, Joel early in the moto there, and um, Joel made a good move. He cut under Jeffrey in the corner before the – but down away. down in that bowl before the whole shot there, yeah, before the long straightaway. And it just seemed like like Jeffrey um Jeffrey was riding good, but it looked like Joel could basically put that quad wherever he wanted. Like he was he was on lock and that thing was working. Yeah, he wasn't gonna be denied. He he was trying to go to the front. Exactly. So uh so then we got treated to an all out battle, just like Muddy Creek earlier in the year. Man, Joel was going through some sections so damn hot, it was mind-blowing. It looked like he was going to blow right through Chad, and I don't know that there was ever any contact. Joel was just going so fast into some sections, it was crazy. Um, And, you know, we've been treated to a few of those battles this year, but that hasn't always been the case. Like, even though they're basically always 1-2, over the years, there hasn't been many crazy no nah, there hasn't been many crazy battles and uh we have had a few of them this year and that second moto man at unadilla might have been the best one yet mm-hmm. yeah i i didn't i only got to watch the recap highlights um but the stuff that i did see it looked it looked close it was uh would have been a race i would have liked to watch in person that's for sure yeah yeah so chad had the lead still late in the race and uh they came out out of that same corner where Joel made the pass on Jeffrey, and he was cutting down to the bottom there. But it was it was difficult to make it all the way over that um, that next triple if you went to the bottom there. And I think Joel was able to, but he had that corner on lock, and they came out of that corner, and Chad Chad like almost like hesitated and looked at him, and at that moment I knew. Joel must have done something that Chad didn't like down there, or or maybe it was just a race, race, race worth of moves down there. Yeah. But I knew something had been done that, um, like Chad was literally like off the gas, looked at him, and and like there was attitude. Yeah, because down that straightaway, he kind of put a little swerve on him. To keep him behind him. Sure, yeah. And then, then down in the gravity cavity, Joel was like, no, this is mine now. Yeah, and so. He, he swerved over on him and then got uh-huh. it done. Yeah, so, yeah, Joel gets to the inside of Chad there going into gravity cavity. And, yeah, same thing. Joel goes down that, down into gravity cavity there, and he puts a little little move on on Chad and moves over on him. And, like I said, there was attitude right back. It was it was intense. Yeah, he sent it out of that gravity cavity. That's for sure. Yeah, it was intense. I, I was really curious to see what was going to happen, and then I think that it got to a point where Chad's like, I even think he might have said on the podium, if he wants it that bad, he can have it because um, I think Chad Chad was comfortable. He raced hard, and I mean, if a second was what he was going to get that day, I think he was okay with it because they were they were racing so damn hard. Yeah, Joel's speed there is almost unmatched. So, uh, taking a second at Unadilla, that's good, and still coming out with the points lead, so you can't complain about anything. Yeah, definitely. And and so, like I said, there was attitude back and forth there, and it was crazy to watch. The fans are going nuts. 
So Joel finishes it off. He wins the thing. He goes 1-1. One, one. Chad finishes 2-2. Two, two. Um, Thomas, Tom, Tom, yeah, Thomas DNF'd. Um, so you need to mention that because he was really fast in Moto 1. He rode really well. And uh, so Thomas DNF'd in Moto 2. I don't know what happened there, but that took him out of the running. And, yeah, like you were starting to mention, Brandon Hogue, the rookie, he passed Jeffrey late in the race there with four with four laps remaining, and that earned him his first pro podium uh, with the third overall. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I think uh, maybe you listened to that Cody Ford podcast, and he wanted to be uh, the next uh, rookie on the podium. So You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, somebody said to me that Ford getting that podium fueled Brandon Hogue like none other. And I was told oh, that I was told that by somebody in his in his circle. Oh, I bet. I mean, I bet you it fueled all the other rookies. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it, it fueled did. me up, and I'm not even racing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just think about that. Like, Brandon was the second rookie in as many weeks to grab a podium, and man i knew that this rookie class was going to be good but man like think about it it hasn't been done since 2011 it hasn't been done since 2011 it hasn't been done since joel hetrick did it and now two rookies in back-to-back weeks grab podium finishes and i don't know that it was crazy that's good it's good racing that means they're just adding more uh more to the pot more people uh get up front and start battling for for spots now no doubt i mean like i said that this rookie class just seems like it has a different look to it those riders i think you know they're hard workers um they're guys that like look the part of maybe the next generation of kind of top guys yeah and, yeah um, yeah so i tried to have brandon on tonight but apparently he couldn't fit us in his schedule so um i wanted to hear from him because he had uh Man, he had a he had a hell of a run, and in the way that he, so in the first moto, I was blown away because he ran with Jeffrey throughout the entire moto, like they were nose to tail. It seemed yep. like the whole moto after Jeffrey got by him, and in the second moto, it looked like the same exact race, but late in the moto with a yeah with a few laps left, Brandon passed him, and I mean, that was the definition of earning earning a podium he put two yeah. really good rides together and the other thing in the second moto is he got a mid-pack start and he still yeah. got up he still got up to that top three spot it was incredible yeah when i was looking he started that that race uh fifth on at the end of the first lap and went to third and that's not passing no joe smoke well and, 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 and even guys. if you go back to prior to that at the beginning of the first lap if you look at the shots coming out of the first corner He's on the very inside, and like I said, he's clearly mid-pack, you know. Yeah, and he, he probably puts... swerved around that Janusa little, maybe that pile up. Oh, that could be, that could be. But got about there, made a good move, but still, that's that's quick decisions, and I mean, first couple corners. Oh, yeah. So, like I said, he came from a ways back, and uh, he, man, he got that top three, and it's just, uh, it's. I'm happy for him. He's a guy that. Um, lived with me for a period of time. We helped him throughout his amateur career. And I was 
blown away. See, coming into the season when I so he won the Pro Am Championship last year, came mm-hmm. down to the last race, he won the championship, and then when when he decided to go pro, I was almost a little scared for him because his mentality is that nobody does nobody belongs beating him. He sees, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how a lot of top athletes think. They don't see anybody better than them. They don't see um, how a person that puts on their pants the same way should beat them, whether that's, whether it makes sense or not, whether it's, you know, you're racing against the top guys in the world. He sees himself on that level. And uh, so I was almost scared that he wasn't going to know when to back it down a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I was watching him last weekend with the same thoughts in mind. And he looked the part of a top three guy um, throughout the whole weekend, like spot on. Even in the first moto, I was really curious to see what was going to happen after he kind of got freight trained by those guys because he had, you know, a lot of their fast guys, but he had a couple, a few guys get by him one by one by one, kind of, kind of Mm -hmm. all at once. And man, he responded like he ran their pace, ran Jeffrey's pace the rest of the race and uh he made it happen in the second moto and earned that podium and man that's just another i I knew that this rookie class was good man but i didn't i would have never thought that two podiums two two podiums because it hasn't happened in almost a decade you know yeah and the last guy to do it was joel hetrick and look where he is yeah yeah. it's crazy so so yeah so that that's that that was kind of the headliner there was kind of that all the the drama from did did Joel Hattrick finish the first moto his bike almost doesn't start the second moto then the late race hard racing between Chad and Joel mm-hmm. they seemed they seemed good on the on the podium like they were you know they were talking back and forth and stuff but you had shot me a text message after the after the after the races and uh what what would what did it say again i can't i can't remember oh i i, I think i said some is uh is racing getting a little bit more dicey now because of a certain podcast <laughs> and it was just it was just cool like all this stuff's happening and it's like who who would have thought all this would have been going down like rookies on the podium and just just everything yeah we got the way got- it happened too we got stuff to talk about, definitely, and like like you said, it probably has nothing to do with this podcast. But uh, there's like there's like more. It seems like more attitude, more like I, I don't know. There's just it's racier than it seems like it's been in a long time. Yeah, it's a lot closer too. Yeah, the points for are sure. close. Everyone that whole top five close, and then the guys from sixth to tenth. They're all right there. Yeah. And uh, like the rookies, 7th, 8th, and ninth in is, points. Okay, that's, so that's tight. So Brandon Hogue is 7th, right? Yeah. Alan Adam Myers, Myers is 8th. Cody Ford is 9th. Yeah. That's that's something to be proud of, too. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think, like I said, you know, the, that rookie class, those three guys right there, those are three guys that are doing it full time, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that maybe that's the difference, and maybe some rookies of the last handful of years is they didn't have the luxury of being able to do it full time. Mm-hmm. And 
Oh, man, I each one of them, each one of them. I had a conversation with somebody earlier that Brandon Hogue, he just got a podium. Mm-hmm. Cody Ford, hardworking kid, good head on his shoulders, got a podium. And Alan Myers, he's he looked, chomping up a bit. Dude, I bet he looks the part of a guy that. I mean, even this last weekend, he was putting in another really good ride, and he looks the part of a guy that can be up there and mix it up with the big boys. And you can tell in his riding that he mentally, he knows he's there, you know? Yeah. He's not afraid to ride with those faster guys. Absolutely. He he belongs. Absolutely. So after the weekend is said and done. So like I said, the, the drama, you know, um, and all the craziness of the top two was a headliner. And, uh, the other headliner, I think for me, obviously was Brandon Hogue being another rookie on the podium there. So after the weekend, Chad has a 22-point lead, and I think that he's totally comfortable with that. Yep. Um, You always have the people that say, oh, well, he's got it in the bag because he can finish second in every race for the rest of the year. But in mathematically – right, mathematically speaking, yeah, he'd win the championship if he got second for every race for the rest of the year. But – there's a lot of guys that are moving yeah. really well. I mentioned it in the last podcast, but Thomas Brown is riding the best of his career. And now yes. you've got a handful of guys. Brandon Hogue showed that he can mix it up with the top guys for a whole duration of a whole weekend. He did it. And then the other guys in that rookie class are riding pretty, Good. Damn, pretty damn well, too. And we're going to Red Bud, some sand. Jeffrey likes the sand. Absolutely. Yeah, so Red Bud is next. And the points race between them two, Jeffrey and Thomas, is close. Jeffrey's only four points out of third. Oh, he's that well, yeah, because Thomas I was gonna say in my mind, Thomas has been riding so well, but he's also had some DNFs. He had two DNFs in the last four motos. So he's gonna be riding super hard, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised to see win seconds out of him. And because uh, so if you focus on the top two for for a second, in my mind, Redbud is kind of a toss up because I know for a fact that Redbud is Chad's favorite track, and he loves when stuff gets rough, and uh, he loves the sand. He loves, I mean, the rougher the better for him. But in my mind, I know that Joel has had some really spectacular rides there too. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't count him out on any track, honestly. Um, I wouldn't because, I mean, if he gets the whole shot and, say, Chad comes out in fifth, then first three laps that Joel puts in are heaters, and by that time it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. I So I don't know. I, I, it's got to be pretty much a toss-up between those two there. And you got to remember, Thomas won there last year. You know, there was a little mud involved, but Thomas won the overall at Redbud last year. So he's going to be trying to go for a repeat. Well, you know what it's you know what it's like when you return to a track that you have good vibes at. Yeah, you you want to go back and leave the way you came. Well, you know, even last year. even a track that you're comfortable on, like you know, you kind of have a mental image of what lines work, what lines don't normally work, or later in the day, you just have good vibes. You you're like. I mean, I know the feeling. So do you. In. So do you. You when you have good memories and stuff at a racetrack, it's almost like you step off the truck with momentum. 
Yeah, with some mojo, you got you, you're already in a flow. And you know, Thomas is kind of kind of like a like a feisty dude. So I think when he had a really good ride in Moto One, and Moto Two has that DNF, I think that he's going to come out like a caged animal, especially with this longer break. It probably couldn't have came at a worse time for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet you uh, he's chopping at the bit to get back out on the track and race. So it's going to be good race in that red bud. I just want to see good battles. So that's, yeah. Throughout the pack. Yeah, I think so too. It'll be exciting. It'll be interesting because Red Bud is Red Bud, but uh, they changed up some stuff. So there's, it's a yeah. little, it's a little bit different between before Larocco's. The start is different, so you kind of come in straight into what would have been the second corner before that. That kind of sweeping left isn't there anymore. It's more of a yeah. traditional into a corner, out of a corner deal. And there's some long S's there um, before the ski jump, but I'm curious to see maybe if they put like a like some inside rollers there for the ATVs, something to make it not one lined. I'll be interested to see see how that little change um, you know kind of pans out for the quads. But I was there this past weekend for the the Pro National Dirt Bike Race. And even from listening to the riders after the fact, I know that the promoter doesn't admit to adding sand to the track, but mm-hmm. the riders still swear that it's a it's sandier than ever before. Oh, it looks sandy. I don't know how you could lie and say it's not. You well, know, <laughs> and and the thing is, is sand isn't natural to that track. It's not natural to that area. I my, the first year I raced at Redbud was 2005, and in 2005 the whole track was blue grouped. So really, all of that sand is brought in. It's not natural, so it's not like it's coming up from the ground. Yeah, yeah. So, so huh. the big thing for people that don't know was in the motocross of nations last fall that was at Redbud, the riders got there and they're like this track isn't even the same Redbud. it's so sandy it's like a straight up sand track well i went there this weekend and it, i mean it looked like Redbud, but you can tell it's sandier than even i remember it from from recent years so i'm curious to see how that all plays out but like you said chad loves the sand jeffrey loves the sand i'm curious to see how that impacts the racing yeah, yeah, that'll be uh, close racing for sure. And is this the other than Daytona? Is this the first national track this season where it's like majority of sand? Well, I think that there's places in at the Texas track that are sandy. Like actually, Texas reminds me of Redbud to a it's point. Bigger. To a point, it's um, got like a like a hard base, but there's you know there's sand on top, but it's not endless. And that's kind of the same at Redbud. I mean, you know that there's sections that would still get blue groove to this day, but that's because all the sand would get pushed out to the outside. So I'm, so I'm, it is like we don't have true sand sand tracks like we used to. Um, they got rid of Millville and Atchikani, Atchikani. So, but uh, yeah, so so I'm really curious to see kind of who that tends to favor and i'm really curious just to see how the track kind of develops you know see if it ends up being the same old red bud but you know it's going to be rough you know it's going to be gnarly yeah uh i mean that's what i like that's what i like that's what i like personally and i know that that's what some of them riders I, I think that i know that that's what chad likes i 
no. I mean, Jeffrey's a guy that comes from the sand. I picture Thomas as a guy that does good when the track is gnarly. Yep. So we'll see how the we'll see how those guys kind of respond to it. We'll see how the rookie class responds to it. And uh, man, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there at Redbud. Oh yeah, and, and you got the live show going on, so it's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned the live show a little earlier in the intro, but. Yeah, it's going to be a really good time. Um, the Team USA boys, hopefully we have all of them. Um, it sounds like sounds like we should. It's going to be Friday awesome. night, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Friday night. And uh, yeah, it's going to man, it's going to be unlike anything before. So I don't think that that people are going to want to miss it. Like I said, you can come watch it in person. It'll be live live on Facebook. And um, if you don't catch either of those or if you want to enjoy it again, it'll be dropped as a podcast after the weekend. So, uh, yeah, re- really looking forward to it. Need to plug SSI decals again. They came on board and um, helped sponsor the live show, helped helped us uh, acquire all the um, equipment that we needed for it. So, um yeah, huge thanks to Ian and SSI decals. Really looking forward to the live show. And, uh, man, I'm hoping if, uh, man, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, Hammy will join us there. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm going to try to make it happen. Uh, I don't know if I got to work yet or not, but I'll find out, I'll find that out Friday. So, so you got a last minute decision. Yeah. So since we're not going to have you there for the live show, for sure. Give us your bold. You got any bold predictions? What do you see happening at Redbud? Um, I'm going. I'm going. Joel Hetrick, Chad Weenan, Thomas Brown. Okay. Top three. Okay. So, so the top three maybe is kind of uh, as a usual podium. I think. I think this is going to show who likes the rough tracks, who's in shape. It's going to be hot. I bet. Okay. Now I'll get. I'll. I'll ask you. Maybe a little tougher question. Top rookie. Um, I'll have to go with. I'm gonna have to go with Brandon Hogue. Okay. Just because uh, I I have a hunch. I feel like he's training with Joel Hedrick from what I've seen on social media, and uh, just how he rode at Unadilla. You know, he's he rode really good. He's gonna have some momentum going. And if he's staying with Joel, I can imagine that they're training, riding every day. And that only helps. Um, so I, I guess I have to go with him. Okay. I think I'm not saying that I would, if I had to bet my house on it, I don't know who I would choose. I'm I not think, betting, anyone, betting on anyone for a house. You know what? I think that Alan Myers will be good, though. I wanted to say that, too, because I feel like the track that he trains at has got a little I, sand in I was it. just going to say, I feel like on that kind of track, being a bigger, longer-bodied guy... I just picture him being being good on that style of racetrack, and I think same thing. He might. I mean, he like all of us saw the two rookies grab podiums. I feel like he's just going to be really, really hard pressed to try to get up there. Yeah, I think it's going to be whoever gets the best start, whoever puts themselves in the best position early in the race. Yeah, and that's how kind of how it seems to go. But whoever gets the most consistent starts. Redbud's a lot easier track to pass that, but absolutely um, because Redbud you can make up time late in the race by being fast by the whoops. Well, or by just kind of keeping that pace from the beginning. If you can get close to that pace that you have in the beginning laps later in the race, 
man, you can make hay while the sun shines for sure. Like people fall people off, off. People yep. fall off at Redbud, no doubt about it. That's a man's yep. track. So it'll be. I'm curious. I think that that's as intriguing as what happens at the front is kind of what happens in the middle there with that rookie class. I mean, Nick Janus is always tough. He's right there. Is Jeffrey going to be better on the on the kind of sandy track? Um, I just it's like something's a little off with Jeff. You know, I just I think that. It's just something's a little off. I don't. I can't put my finger on it. He's still riding well. He still looks good, but it's like there's just something a tick off. Yeah, from from the East score and what I see, I I just want I just just picture now like I want him to win. I think he's got it in him. So seeing him not on the podium, it's crazy to me. I know. I just I I. I don't know how many podiums he has. Maybe only one this year. No, he has two. He has two podiums. He rides for. He's underneath Mark Baldwin's tent, right? And that's. Oh. A, I mean, it, that bike is like podium contender every time it rolls the gate. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't think that there's a better bike, you know. No. Um, nope. And I love Jeff, but yeah, I I just for him. I'm I'm just speaking as a spectator. I. It's like. I just expected him to already have more podiums, maybe more seconds, maybe more f- wins or a win this year. I, I thought he was going to maybe take that step, you know? Yeah, that's what I thought too, and especially I think was the second year with Baldwin or third year. So I just thought they would be improving. And they made a big switch with the shocks too. This is his first year not on PEPs. Yep. So that's surprising. Yeah, from from, from what I heard from um, from people that are in Jeff's circle that are same as in my circle, that Jeffrey was really really happy with Elka shocks. So that's good. Uh, in I'm biased as an Elka athlete, but I think that they're far superior. You know, um, mm-hmm. and Elka Elka is killing the game right now. I mean, they have a lot of top riders. They got a lot of that pro class. Those shocks work extremely well, extremely well. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I just, I don't want it to come off like I'm dogging on Jeffrey at all. I just, he's so talented. I'm no, just, we're not, not dogging him because we, we just want to see him do good. Absolutely. Know, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. So I knew, um, I'm pulling for him. I hope he can do something this weekend. And uh, it's one of those things. We might, we might have to ask him. Uh, we're hoping that he can join us on the live show because he was part of Team USA last year. He helped us yeah. win the title um, so in victory. So I hope that, I mean, that might be something we can ask him on the live show is, uh, is there something going on behind the scenes or is it just that the class is that fast or – I mean, sometimes it just happens. You don't get good starts at the right time. He was leading at Sunset Ridge and kind of got stuck in the mud, and you know what happens in a mud race. It's kind of yeah. after the first couple laps, it's hard to make a bunch of moves. So uh, we'll see. He had he had some really good starts at Unadilla, too. Uh, yeah. Some really good starts. Top three, right? In and, both of them? Yeah, and I don't know that that's always the case for Jeffrey. So – he had the starts he needed, and 
I said, I think, going in on the last show, but Unadilla just isn't a track I think of for Jeffrey. I think of the sand tracks, the rough tracks. So Mm. we'll see. I think Redbud could be coming at just the right time for him, and I think that it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But now that we cover all these topics, I find myself watching all the riders way more than I ever did before when I was just watching and you know, watching who wins or watching the top three. Now I'm keeping tabs on every single rider because Nick Janusa is another guy. Yeah. Nick Janusa is another guy that, I mean, sleepy good ride in the second motor. He got stuck with Sammy Rowe at the beginning of the race, came all the way up, and before I knew it, he was in fifth place and got that 6-5, got, got fifth overall. And, I mean, he's a guy that I just, man, he – has been fourth or fifth in every single championship of his pro career, which is a crazy stat. Crazy. But, I mean, and he's been fourth or fifth in every race this year, other than one. He's right on the cusp. But he's never had a podium. It just, he has to just be... You think it drives him crazy? I'm sure. It, I'm, on the podium? Sh- I'm sure that because I know that Nick is a really hard worker. You can yeah. see it because he's in crazy good shape. Um, he's a true athlete, and I'm sure that every second that he's in the gym, he's thinking about all those fourths. He's thinking about. I mean, because he's had top three in motos. He got top three yep. at at Unadilla last year in the second moto. He's been really close. I think he was really close at Daytona one year and got past late yeah. in the race. I think. But either way, um, that's another guy that uh, I think that he does good when conditions are are nasty. Just Rougher. because, yep, yep, because his his fitness is top level. He rides a lot of sand. I'm like free riding sand tracks. New Jersey sand. New Jersey. Yep. yep. New Jersey sand for sure. So it'll be curious, but like literally the whole pro class intrigues me right now. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I was out there and in shape yeah. battling for top tens. That'd be nice. Yeah. It looks like Thanks a lot of fun, fun. but uh, I'm cool on the couch watching. <laughs> and I think that, you know, the pro-am class has some talent that'll come up. That'll add to that next year. This is a whole nother, uh whole nother topic, but I'm curious to see if if Bryce Ford will move up because he looks like he could literally be plugged into the pro class right now and definitely hold his own because um, he's in a class of his own right now um, against those pro am guys. I yeah. think Stanfield, Stanfield was a Stanfield did. was a close second, but he got hurt. He's battling through having a broken collarbone and. Um, he got he, a podium this weekend, didn't he? Yeah, and he rode, man, you could tell he was hurting, and he rode his tail off. Because I believe what happened is they plated that thing, and when you do that, you're able to come back faster, but you haven't been riding. You probably feel fatigued or pain in that in that yeah. area of your body. And I think that if he would have stayed healthy, I mean, he was clearly the number two guy. You know, He was yeah. the closest guy to, to Ford. Uh, Bryce... Um, in the first, I always forget because he races both pro am and pro sport. But all weekend, you know, he got a whole shot in some races. He came from literally dead last out of the gate in other races. In every single moto of the four, I mean, he found his way to the front and then checked out. And he's just like got a whole nother gear. I don't even yeah. have the. I, I'm running out of superlatives to describe the kid because he looks like. 
he looks like Cody Gibson or 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 Hetrick or one of those guys when they were in pro am. Like he's just cut from a different cloth right now. Yeah, I, I've never got to see him ride a four fifty in person. And I, all I get is Instagram videos, and uh, he definitely looks super crazy fast. It, I I wish he'd just jump up to the pro class now. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. I heard rumblings that they because of his age, that they weren't going to move him up even yet next year. But with what he's doing in Pro-Am, I just, I can't foresee. You almost got to. I can't foresee holding him back. I can't, I can't. But, um, got to remember how young he is. He was on a, he was on a 250 in the youth ranks last year. So. He's only what, 16 or 17? I believe he's going to be 17. Yeah. Like, cause he moved up at Redbud last year. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens, but it should be really interesting. I, I know Brogan Geyer got hurt, but I read that he was going to move up to the pro class. So that's a, that's another guy added to the, added to the list there. And I mean, I would assume that it's only a matter of time before Noah Mickelson moves up too. I thought that that might've been this year. So I would, wouldn't be surprised if he did it next year. When was the last time we had two groups of brothers in the pro class? The Miller boys is the first one that comes to mind. Cody and but Hunter. The same time, yeah, Ford Cody. And, and Ford and uh you just say. Cody and Hunter Miller, which um was Well then the Mickelson brothers though, but at the same time be two sets of oh, brothers. Oh two That's sets of brothers. Oh two sets of brothers. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I don't know that you could come up with, with a time. That'd be pretty pretty wild, it's almost like teams within teams. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about that. That'd be interesting. It's just it'd be interesting to see the two Ford brothers out there because they kind of modeled themselves after the the Miller boys. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. Yeah, that'll be pretty sweet then. Yeah, so we gotta yep. get to the get to that. Yeah, other than that, I don't I don't know. Uh, can't can't think of any brothers other than those ones that I named. Not of recent memory, anyway. Yeah. Um. I got a question. We didn't go over this. How was your weekend at Unadilla? Uh, uh, man, it's hard to describe. <laughs> um, Tough one. I seen. I seen the, You got a little pop up rainstorm, huh? Yeah, I love Unadilla, dude. I love Unadilla. I always feel good there. I normally do well there. On Friday, I felt really good. Um. I know that a couple people said I had the fastest lap time. I know that um, that Creamer's crew was claiming that he ended the day with the fastest lap time. Either way, we were we were battling back and forth for it. However, it ended, I don't know. But yeah, felt really good on Friday. But um, towards the end of the day on Friday, I had a brand new race motor and fluke issue. Um, it expired. So. Yeah, so I actually had to race my practice bike the rest of the weekend. So the trust, the trusty practice bike, like I, I still felt pretty, pretty good. Like was pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Um, get up to the gate Saturday for Moto One, and and before I even go there, so the pro am or I'm sorry, not pro am. The 25 plus class should have been called the past pro class. This past yeah. weekend, because it was stacked. There was um, seventeen riders. 
Josh Creamer, um, Pell Shat, me, Silas Lamons. Those are all all past Gosh, pros. Um, Michael Allred, who's been really good all season, winning A class races, and he's been winning. The, uh, he he, I think he won every race that I didn't win so far in the twenty five plus class. So staffed racing, uh, yeah, in the, in the twenty five plus class, and people were were talking about it all weekend how good the racing was going to be. I mean, everybody was talking about Creamer being there, and rightfully so as a past champion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. Yeah, so I knew things were going to be pretty tough. Like it's going to be the winner was going to earn it, and then I got up to the line for Moto One, and um, it got made tougher for me. Mm-hmm. Of seventeen dudes, I had dead last gate pick for the second year in a row at Unadilla. So they obviously have a vendetta out for me there or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, at Unadilla, like having a bad gate pick is a, like an actual real disadvantage there. Not oh, at, yeah. at, not at some tracks where like a straight 90, right? Exactly. Not at some races where, um, you can hold your own, but like, and it was like, even in my mind, like going into the weekend, I'm like, well, last year I had last gate pick in the first moto. Like this year it could, only, get it could only be better. Yeah. Well, no, it was, I think last year I had 16th this year I had 17th. So, um, <clears throat> so I knew it was going to be tough. So like really in my mind, I'm thinking just get through the first corner and then go from there because I mean, something happening in the first corner can, can ruin your whole season if it's an injury. Um, so yeah, I got through the first corner was got like a, I knew I had to get a good start. Like there was no doubt in my mind. Cause I was, otherwise I was going to be buried and in the carnage. Eating so rocks. I, yeah. So I got a decent start. I was probably about mid pack, I would say. And, um, which I was pretty good with cause there was people that said like my jump off the line was crazy. I was just so far outside. Like when I looked over, I didn't see anybody except for the dudes on the very inside. And, um, so then a couple corners in, you know, like before you go to the bridge there, like underneath the bridge on the first lap, Mm -hmm. there was a pile up there. So, um, dudes are cartwheeling, there's bodies and quads all over the racetrack. Like I see creamer shoot off the side of the track. A couple other guys are racing around the the double jump there. And I was going to, I was going to try to stay on the track, obviously at all costs, I'm coming up to the double and all of a sudden like a body goes rolling right in front of me. What? And I think it might've been Richard Pelchat. And really? so I like veer instantly veer off the left side. So I don't hit him. <laughs> I jump, I hit the face. I jump off the side of the track. I get back on. And now I'm like probably, I mean, after all this carnage, I'm mid pack again. And, um, I see like, and with the gate pick thing, like all the other top guys had good gate picks. So I see all of them in front of me. And so I just, man, I just like, didn't even think about it. I just started passing as many people as I could, wherever I could. And yeah. before I knew it, I was in third, I think by the second or third lap, I think the third lap I was in the third and I was behind Allred and Creamer. Creamer and and I was, you know, I was I was, you know, a ways back from them at the time because you know they were out in clean air. 
I saw Creamer yeah. make the pass on Allred, and then he, like, I think basically right away broke his um, axle. Oh. Yeah, so then Allred was leading, and uh, I was in second, and was just wrote it in from there. I was super pumped about that because after the after the last gate pick, I got up to second. Now I control my own destiny. I'm like, man, I win this thing. I win the overall. I'm right where I need to be. I dodged a bullet with last gate pick. And I had made some really good passes in some inside corners. And yeah. um, I felt like I could put my quad wherever I wanted. My CST tires, I'm telling you, CST tires that a track like Unadilla where it's hard packed, you can put the machine wherever you want and there's traction. So I'm think I'm thinking I'm thinking it doesn't matter in the second moto. I can I'm confident. I was totally yeah. confident going into the second moto. Um, felt like a caged animal pretty much all Sunday morning, like waiting to get the show on the road. Yeah. And we get up to the gate, and um, I pick my gate or whatever. We're on the line. Got my gate prepped. Throw my goggles on. The white flag comes out on the race before us pour down rain see i thought that happened on the first moto so that's second moto that happens i was listening live and yeah. i heard pour down rain oh. like hard and you know unadilla is like concrete it's coming down as hard as it can rain so it's like all, <laughs> it's all flat out there all standing water and yeah so it was it was tough i didn't get the start that i needed um, so I started maybe like fifth or sixth. Creamer got the whole shot. Allred was in second. I got up to third, but by the time I got up to third, I had already went through all 21 of my tear offs and, uh, I was pretty much just in survival mode. You know, I, in moto one, I felt like I got, I got up to second and bought myself an opportunity for moto two. And then where I'd control my own destiny. And then when I got to moto two, um, the track wasn't racy and I blew it by not getting a good enough start. I just, just, just couldn't make it happen. So yeah, that stunk. Cause if it would have yeah. been dry, like I said, I felt like I had a, I felt like I had a, I had the speed and I felt like I had a cheat code with having the CST tires and, um, that was tough. So I, two, three gave me second overall and basically like you know how it is this time of year. Like you don't know how to factor in throwouts because we get th- two throwouts at the end of the year. Yeah. But yeah. If you factor in one throwout, I'm two points down from the championship. Otherwise, if you factor two throwouts in with two races left, Allred and I are tied. So no matter how you figure it, the best guy the last two races, the best guy the last two races is going to win a national championship. And I said this um, as part of my media stuff this week, but as an athlete. Um, this is like what the opportunity you wait for, you know, like, um, this is what it's all about. This is what makes it exciting. And all you ever want is a chance. And, uh, so that's kind of where we find ourselves. It should be really exciting. And you always think about, uh, hitting the shot in game seven or hitting the shot in game six to earn a game seven. And, like that's kind of where we're at. So we're headed into some of my favorite tracks. Redbud is my favorite track on the circuit, and uh, man, the the rougher, the nastier, the better for me. And 
yeah, so it wasn't terrible. Second overall, not with, bad. With with the weather, with yeah, last game storms, with last gate pick on the practice bike, it could have been worse. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I was so bummed. I was so bummed with the way it went went with the way it played out, but. Then at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? Could have went a lot worse. Second is a good points day, and that yeah. was the the first time I didn't win this season when I didn't break or um, at Muddy Creek I stalled it, was putting pressure on, and and Allred Allred won at Unadilla and he earned it and he rode well. He's been riding good all year, and um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to down the stretch here. It's really exciting. I have a lot of fun racing him. He's a good kid, good guy, and um, good rider. Uh, that's what Creamer said to me, um, that it was just a lot of fun racing that class. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. But, yeah, I felt like I left one on the table because my speed was real good. But woulda, coulda, shoulda. I just wish bring that. Bring it on to Red Buds. Yeah, bring it on to Red Buds. So um, should be good. Really looking forward to it. And like you said, the live show and so much cool things happening at Red Bud. That's a close one for me. And, uh just just love that track love the vibe there and after being there this past weekend for the dirt bike race yeah it, i'm jealous it uh yeah it uh all i could think about all weekend was man I, i'm like salivating to get on this track right now you know right just looks so darn good and just can't wait mm-hmm. oh you know they're gonna have that thing rolled and sealed and oh dude be primo. should be should be killer can't wait the best of episode three is yet to come, but let's take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. First and foremost, a huge thank you to CST Tires, csttires.com, for coming on as the title sponsor. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics. Of the countless riders I've turned on to CST Tires, not a single one has been disappointed. Join the takeover and upgrade to CST today. Thank you, SSI Decals, for your support and presenting sponsorship of the live show. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. After making number plates and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the brand quickly took off. Today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI Decals. The graphics maker now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and NHRA six-time world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI. Making your identity sick with championship-level graphics. SSI decals. Our featured guest is brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. This patented X-Ring racing chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, setting the standard and making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick out the ATV2 chain at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go DID. We are also supported by Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Our Sight Lab intro segment is brought to you by Evans. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans Coolant, prevents boil over so you never have to pull over or worry about your engine no matter what the condition. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles, and more. Use what the pros use. Choose Evans today. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, 
Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV Motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber and plastic hoods, tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forworks has goodies that'll make you salivate. I trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look. Forworks Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality, innovative parts to the market. Check them out today. Finally, our fan question segment is brought to you by 100% and their new Armega Goggle out now. Thanks to those guys for the support and supplying us with awesome 100% giveaways. Not to mention the new goggle that is setting the standard in moto. Now back to the show. Uh, another question. Uh, you ever thought about doing a rant on this show? Oh, like, like yeah, like some other podcasts? Yeah, they kind of like have a little bit of a complaint about a certain thing or going on at the races or at a particular race you ever thought about doing that well, uh, i never want to be negative you know so i don't know that i would ever do a full-time rant but if you want a rant i'll give you one yeah let's hear it i want to hear some of this my biggest rant yeah my biggest rant of this sport or of sports in general is parents getting on their children to the point that they take the fun away from the sport. Yeah, that's a big, that's a good one. I cannot stand that. Like, now it's different if your kid isn't trying, okay? But for yeah. the most part, the kid is doing his very best, and you'll still see parents yelling at their kids, cussing at your kids, saying mean things to their kids, when... For the most part, that kid is doing the very best that he possibly can. So unless yeah. your kid is not trying. Yeah, or he's out partying or doing something stupid. I don't think it's okay. Or I'm even talking about kids younger than that. Like, you build, you. I'm all about positive reinforcement. So you build somebody up and then you put them out to war. Yeah. But the whole, okay. You were a top-level athlete yourself. And when things are good, when the vibes are good, when there's positivity, when people are lifting you up, that's when you're going to be your very best. Yeah, if I, I If I scream at you, that's not going <laughs> to bring out the best in you. Maybe it does. Maybe it does for 1% of people. But most people are not cut out that way. And the most normally you will find the most success when you're having fun or you're happy. Yeah, I agree with that. Also. And I think, I think the problem is, is that some of these parents, and I don't want to accuse anybody of trying to live through their kids, yeah. but 
Let this be fun for your children. Like, we all do this. Every single one of us. From Chad Weenan to Joel Hattrick, all the way down to the 50 riders. We do this because we enjoy it. We do this because we love it. And your kid will never thrive on a negative environment. And your kid is not going to thrive on you yelling at him. So... If you want to rant, that is my rant. But I th- I just wish sometimes, and I don't say it to people because it's not it's not my place. I never want to overstep my boundaries. But and I get that every situation a is a little bit different. I mean, I know people can have an attitude. I know that maybe some people don't work as hard as they should. But a lot of times, the effort is there, and it's yeah. not as easy as it may look, you know? Along with that, Ray, I think a lot of, or some parents want to compete with other parents. You I know? was just going to say, and I wasn't, I, I the, wanted the, to. The kids getting beat by yeah. another kid, and their parents are friends or not friends. They just want to be, they want to one-up them. They want to be right. out and, and if you want to bring up the parents a little bit more, and I had this conversation with somebody recently at the last race asking for help with their kid. A lot of parents, if they're having this kind of problem, they're, they want to be at the races almost more than their kid does. Yeah. So they can't even use, hey, we're going to skip this race or whatever as a motivation a punishment tactic or, anything. Yeah. Or, or as a punishment, but a motivation tactic because they want to be there more than the kid. And I know when I was a child, not only did, I mean, all I wanted to do was be at the races and it broke my heart when we had to miss races because we didn't have the funds to be able to go to the faraway races. And I saw Mm -hmm. all the kids that I raced against be able to do it and riders that didn't beat me, but they still had the opportunity to go to the races. It broke my heart. All I wanted to do was be at the races and race my ATV. And so I can't relate to the, attitude to the maybe lack of motivation to any of that stuff but Mm -hmm. some kids might do better by their parents saying right yep but my biggest part and i just want to make sure that the punch is there for the rant is please do not take away the fun for your kid whether it's a hobby whether he's all he's ever going to be is a C-class or a B-class rider, which is perfectly fine, or he's going to be a pro, you will be the most successful if you keep the fun in it. And I wish somebody would have told me in the middle of my pro career to find a way to have more fun because I would have right. had more success. And I'm still doing it now, and I'm scared to death of losing the opportunity to be at the races someday because I love it so damn much. Yeah, yeah. I just love to be at the races, and I love doing this because I love I love talking ATV racing, and like it's what I've done my whole life, and it's what I love to do, and I ho- I want all these kids to have the opportunity to enjoy it as much as I enjoy it, and I just it breaks my heart whether it's at a local track or whether it's T ball or little you know 
little league something. Yeah, baseball, basketball. Don't take the fun out of it for your kids. You know, yeah. That's that's, just, that's that's overstepping the line. So there's my rant. That's a good rant. I, love- I don't. I, I don't know that. I don't know that you'll ever get a rant out of me again. You can probably ask oh, we'll me a rant we'll every time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can come up with something, but that's my biggest rant. And I guess I've never. That's maybe why it came exploding out of me is I've never had the avenue to be able to kind of voice my opinion before. And um, ATV motocross is about fam. It's about family. It's about having fun. And I just don't want to ever see that ruined for 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 a for a for a kid for a person. Um, because it was never that way for me. Yeah, yeah, and, and even if the kid's not doing like what the parent thinks they should be doing, I mean, they're young. I mean, you can blossom into the next pro rider. You know, as I mean, long as the maturity ad- happens, then things change. You get bigger, you get stronger. I mean, as I long as the effort is there, as long yeah. as the effort is there, improvement will come. First or last, as long as the effort is there, that's all that matters to me. And I teach riding schools, and I work with kids, and everybody's on a different trajectory. And as long as the effort is there, that's all that matters. And as long as they're having fun, they're going to be the most successful. So I challenge the 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 parents, the family, the trainer, the whoever. Make it fun for your kid. Make it fun for your rider. And that's where they're going to be the most successful. That's good. Hell yeah, we gotta do more rants. You start coming up with rants, and I'm sure I can give you, I'm sure I can give you my 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 passion, man. I need to be at the races so I can see some stuff. I could come up with a couple rants, I bet. Yeah, live show. You're gonna be there. Um, maybe. Um, you got anything else, man? Before we let you go. Yeah, how long have the pros been doing autograph sessions together? When did they start that? That started last year, so my first year out of the pro class. Um, so yeah, I was never a part of that, but I was. I'm curious to see what that's like because I really like them coming up to the coming up to my rig and kind of that. Yeah, I don't I like know that if too. I see. I, I've never experienced the whole. Um, the whole all the pros together in one place signing autographs. I think they do it at like the live to ride thing okay i think i'm pretty sure and which is awesome for debbie and live to ride but um i got so much one-on-one time with them when they'd come up to my pit that that's what i probably enjoyed as much as anything was getting to hear them their stories and the reason why i have a podcast is i like to bench race i like to talk racing with people and that's what we would do so yeah, um, I'm just talk about the track, how they did. Yeah, I'm, like that. I'm curious to. I wonder if it's still that same vibe, you know? Or like a cafeteria line, like exactly. You don't want to just here's my autograph and they keep going. I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But uh, that's was my question when they first started doing that. Like I said, I'm sure there's good motive there and it's awesome for the people involved. I just, uh, I loved the one-on-one time, um, that I got with my fans. Um, when they'd come up to my rig for the autograph sessions, I just, uh, I'll never, I'll cherish those memories forever for sure. Yeah. That was, I always look forward to that getting done with the moto and signing autographs. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That. Especially when you did good too, because if oh, you weren't, sure. you know, in the back of the pack or getting lapped, and they knew, oh, 
Tyler Hamburg in the top ten, they they noticed you, so yeah. that was always cool. Yeah, we're coming off of Unadilla right now, and Unadilla's fans are crazy. They're amazing. They're some of the best ones, I think, in our sport. And I had some of my very best rides, my best finish ever was at Unadilla. And, man, I felt like the line would never stop. Two different times I ran out of posters there because uh, there were so many fans. And it seems like I had so many fans out there. It was awesome. Unadilla's, uh, oh, yeah. Unadilla's fans were next level. Yeah, they get crazy out there. A lot, yeah. of people, a lot of outside people come to that race too, like just to spectate. Well, you have you have the track, yeah, and you have Canada, and you have um, the NEA TV series, and that's not that far from Ohio, and Ohio has a big ATV you know following, and so does Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and um, yep. so you pull a lot of different riders, different spectators, different fans, and I think that. Um, that's where kind of that, some of that comes from, but yeah, so I've never been a part of the, the all together autograph signing before. Um, but, uh, I'm yeah. sure it's cool. Maybe to help out fans locate the riders. Now they're, you know, they're all in one spot. You don't have to go trailer searching. I wonder if it, um, I wonder if it impacts the relationship with the riders. I wonder if they're like maybe a little more buddy, buddy. Yeah, it used to be because you're because you're rubbing shoulders with guys, um, maybe more than you used to. Yeah, that's I think back when I was racing, the top two dudes, they were not so friendly. Right. <laughs> I couldn't imagine them doing an autograph signing together. Right. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's cool. Maybe they sit at the end, other ends of the table from each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. Well, you got anything else, man? No, I think that's it. Uh, I think I'm ready to send you off to Redbud. Maybe you'll see me there. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I love talking racing. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we see more good racing and maybe more rookies on the podium. But, I hope I hope so, man. We uh, seems like the ATV world. We got a million things to talk about right now, which is awesome. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on, giving your insight. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to talk racing, racing with you, buddy. We appreciate your time, and uh, yeah, man, we'd love to have you at the live show. It'd be a lot of fun. So, um, pull some strings and make it happen, man. I'm gonna do my best. So I'll keep you in a loop, and uh, I'll let you know if I'm Michigan bound or not. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on. I know that uh, a lot of our listeners really enjoyed having you on last time, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So can't thank you enough for your time. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll be talking to you. All right. Thanks, Sammy. We'll have you on again soon. So that was Tyler Hamrick, everybody. I appreciate um, him giving us his time and his insight. I know he enjoys ATV motocross bench racing with us. So, uh, yeah, friend of the show. Thanks for for coming on uh, to him. And we're going to transition here right into our rider um, interview with up-and-coming star Logan Stanfield. He's one of my favorite riders in the sport right now and um, somebody you're going to hear a lot of here in the future. So he's going to talk about um, his season so far, kind of look forward to the future. And uh, yeah, was really excited to get this interview going. And uh, I think this is going to be a kid that you're going to want to cheer for here in the future. Brought to you by DID's 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. We welcome five-time national champion Logan Stanfield to the show. What's going on, buddy? Not much. Just, uh, yeah, really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate you giving us uh some of your time. I know um, you're probably out riding and doing laps today and training and stuff. So, yeah, really appreciate you coming on. So, yeah, uh, 
let's let's just start by uh, let's start by talking about your season real quick. Um, I know you you started the season by winning the the first race, right? You won the opener in pro am. Yep, uh, I won the mudder. I wouldn't say I did the best there, but I uh, I had two pretty good solid mo- motos, and I put them together, and it got me in the middle of the box. So I was I was very happy to start the season off. And then, like yeah, that's awesome. That was a tough one down there for sure in the mud. And then you got a you had a couple more podiums after that, right? Yeah, uh, I got a second at um, Ironman, and then I got a first at uh, South of the Border. Oh, you did win South of the Border. Well, I guess that was like a confusing weekend. I guess I guess I got a second overall now. It was changed after the race. Okay, yeah, because I was curious. I didn't know what was all going on with that. And when I was prepping even for this segment, um, I went back and looked, and I'm like, I was pretty sure he won that. So there must have been there must have been more to that story. So um, either way, you had a super super good start to the season, and you were leading the points after after those three races or whatever, right? Yes, you that's had correct. Yeah, that's what I thought. So then. Kind of take us through what happened after that. You got hurt. Yeah, we were uh, getting ready for Muddy Creek, and I think it was like two or three days before the race. Uh, we were training, and I just I made a little mistake on my on my own, and I uh, went over the bars. I broke my collarbone in two places. I had to get uh, surgery. I got a a plate and nine screws. Oh wow. So was like right after it happened, did you guys kind of know that you were going to, you were going to have surgery and you were going to play it? Was that a decision that you kind of made right away? Um, yeah, I went to the hospital. I mean, right after my wreck, of course, and I got x-rays and stuff. We weren't really sure how bad it was, but I, I, I knew it was broke cause I could see it through my skin almost. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. But the, the collarbone, you know, they Sometimes they just let it heal in place, and we were going to hopefully just get a, it's called a Sonoma rod, and put it through there, and I was going to be good to go in about a week or so, but it was uh, not possible to do since how my bone was broke. Okay. Well, sometimes sometimes getting it played, it isn't the worst thing as an athlete, because it almost allows you to come back faster, correct? Correct. That's why. That's what we were hoping. We were definitely probably going to do surgery to get me back out there quicker. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. That's what I was kind of following along on social media, hoping I was going to see that you were going to play it to get back out there because you had had such a strong start to the season. It was such a shame um, to see that happen. So then you missed one race, right? You missed one race. Yep, I missed Muddy, Muddy. Creek, and then I went to Sunset. Um, I wasn't even supposed to ride or do anything. I I wasn't to the doctor yet to be released, and I went out there the first moto, just kind of trying to like stay in the points a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I ended up racing a little bit at the end of the second moto because I was feeling really good, and then we went to Unadilla, and I didn't ride at all between my wreck. And, you know, Dylan, I went in there and I practiced Friday, felt really good. Um, and then I rode Sunday, Sunday morning, I wrecked. <laughs> so, you know, I was just kind of thinking, what am I going to do? And then I came out, uh, got last in the whole shot. I got bumped out in the corner. I, uh, 
made some passes pretty quick. I was I was just excited to be out there. My adrenaline was pumping again. Of course, and I yeah. Got to, uh, fourth, I believe, and then second moto, I got another fourth, and I got a third overall at Unadilla. Yeah, so I knew, um, so taking it back a little bit, at Walnut, I saw, or at Sunset Bridge, I saw you, like, spinning laps in the first moto, just looking for points, and then in the second moto, yeah, I knew you must have been feeling okay, because you were definitely racier, like, you definitely had totally upped your pace, Um so you could just see like the competitive nature coming out in you for sure. I mean, at least, and now, now you're kind of confirming that. So yeah, that was going to be one of my questions was how much training were you actually able to do between sunset and Unadilla? And you're saying that you weren't really able to do much riding, huh? No, I did. I actually did, uh, probably about five laps. I went to uh, a local track by me, like the day before I went out for, uh, you know, Dylan, I just got to try to get comfortable again, get the feeling again, and I just loaded up and went there. So you were almost kind of just giving your body a test run, like if you could, how like how hard you could ride, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I was just trying to feel it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, Unadilla, um, I thought you looked really good, and you were you were definitely like the races weren't easy. You know, you were having to fight for position. Like you said, you had a bad hole shot. Was that the first moto? You had a bad, bad hole shot in the first moto, right? Yeah, I was, I was literally dead last. Yeah. Yeah. And you fought your way. What place did you say you finished in that moto? Fourth or fifth, right? Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure I got fourth. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Cause I knew you had battled your whole way through and I watched you cross the finish line and like, you could tell you were hurting and I didn't know if that was your collarbone hurting or if that was just, um, I mean, a long, tough moto when you haven't been busting out laps. It was, it was a little bit of everything. You know, my back was sore from the wreck earlier that morning. Oh yeah. Um, and actually my other shoulder was hurting from the wreck. So I hit, I hit actually hit on my right side that time, but I'm, I'm lucky I did. Yeah, probably but lucky. Yeah. I was just pretty beat down cause you know, most of the time, I've I've always been good at hole shots. You know, I get out front and I just I get to ride my race. And yeah, yep. I didn't get to do that, so I was kind of stressed out throughout the race. And even though I shouldn't have been, I was out there to have fun. Oh, of course, yeah. Just how I am. So when you had that problem in morning practice, were you like worried you you like weren't even going to get to race or something? Like, did you think that for a split second? A little bit. I messed my bike up pretty good. (laughs) I saw it. I I saw a picture of it. I saw a picture of it, like, in the fence or something. Yeah, I came down to that bull corner, and I was just trying to put a hot lap down. And it just hooked and catapulted me the other way. And I bent my steering sim, my bumper, ripped my plastics up pretty good. My grab bar was all messed up. Wow. So So how did the – so, yeah, you were lucky to dodge that bullet there. And – um. Then in the second moto, you got a better start, right? You were right up front, I thought, on the start. Yeah, I pulled the whole shot, and I led for about a lap. That's what I thought, yeah. And it was it was nice leading again, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to run that pace because I knew I was going to get tired. I had 15 minutes ahead of me, so. Yeah, you well, almost almost wanted to settle into your pace just so you could ride a ride a consistent yeah. race, basically, and not burn out. Right, and I didn't want to. I really wasn't worried about winning. Yep. I was my goal going in the weekend was for a top five, and I pushed a little 
as, I mean, as hard as I could, and I got on the podium, so I was very happy. Yeah, it's funny because um, podiums and stuff aren't always, um, like, evaluated equally. So sometimes, yeah, like, you know, you'd be bummed with maybe a second or a third, but after all the stuff that you've been through and how hard you had to fight to get there and, you know, not being able to be on the bike and all these things, like, a podium had to feel like winning almost. Right, like, this my third position podium at Unidental felt better than my second one at Ironman. I'm sure it did. Yeah, I'm sure it did. So how did how much like pain did you actually have in the collarbone that you broke throughout the day there? Um, not not much really. I was I was pretty comfortable. I was I've been working out a little bit before that. Um, you know, getting my shoulder like in motion again and sure, getting yeah. everything feeling great. Yep. So yep. it wasn't too bad. But it definitely left me some some aches. I'm sure. I'm sure you're you. There's no substitute for riding. So you uh, when you're out there and you're not, not going through your normal routine, that's can kind of shock your body. So now talk about um, since Unadilla, have you been able to kind of get back in your normal rhythm, like what you were doing prior to the injury? Yeah, I've been back on my uh, regular ro- routine, riding, working out. Uh, with Alan and Travis, we've been working really hard, and I've been working probably twice as hard that I normally do, trying to get myself back to where I was. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. So you mentioned Team 969 um, and riding with Alan and um, training with Travis. So talk about like how awesome of a of a deal that's been for you to you know be able to be with those guys and um, man, it just seems like you all of you, Alan and you and everybody that's been on the team has been so successful. Talk about, talk about what a, what a, uh, an asset that team is for you. Um, it's huge. They, they picked me up in, uh, 2015 at the end of the year. They weren't really a team. It was just Alan and Travis and me and Alan became really good friends throughout the year. And after Unadilla, um, I went home with Alan to New Jersey and then we went to Tennessee and I trained with them, and I did. I probably rode the best I ever have. Um, well, since before that, because I didn't train at all, and then right. they brought me under their wing, and it really changed everything. And we had uh, Zach Decker with us too, and he he's gonna be a a top rider one day. I feel like oh, for you know, sure. he has a lot of talent, and Alan has a lot of talent, and Travis he just pushed us to an, another level. He knows like what gets under our skin so really it really like makes us want to go more yeah yeah it's almost like um you've followed in alan's footsteps like just you know it's almost like he's 1a and you're 1b kind of thing and um and yeah it's it's like zach's doing the same thing like he's following in in your footsteps you know like uh and it's almost like you don't see it in our sport a lot, but in the on the dirt bike in the dirt bike world, you see all these top riders training together, and I can only imagine that you and Alan and and Zach at the time and stuff like all riding together, pushing each other, has to just continue to elevate each of your levels. Correct. Right. You know, I want to go put out a, a lap time. We still do this today, like today, me and Alan. He'll go put out a lap time. And we'll we'll go out there and try to beat it yeah. every time. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's a very tough thing to do if you don't have another fast person to ride with, you know, because otherwise you kind of just find yourself spinning laps 
at your own pace. Right. You know, you, you might feel fast, but until just like when we rode with uh, Joel Hetrick in Florida, you know, okay. we felt great. And then he goes out there and kills our lap time. And you're like, what the heck? You right, know? right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's got to be um, uh, just a great thing for you to have to have all those riders in your corner. And um, so Redbud is next. And that's kind of a home, kind of like a home race for you almost, right? With you coming from Indiana and um, Redbud's just across the border in Michigan. So do you kind of consider that a home race? Yeah, I would. When I was, when I lived in uh, Indiana more, I, when they would have local races, I'd always go up there. It's like a hour and 45 minute drive from my house in Peru. Okay. So it's always nice to go, and it's a great facility to ride at. So, I mean, it. I would call it a home track, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think that that's one of the best tracks on the circuit for sure. So how are you feeling heading into that race over there? Are you, like, uh, ready to get back on the top step of the podium now? Yeah, that's that's my goal. I I always feel pretty good there. Last year I uh went into pro, my first pro am race there and I actually got a podium. So I'm feeling pretty good about yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's good vibes. Earlier in the in the episode here we talked about um when you show up at a track that you have good memories at or maybe you had a good ride the season before and how that can impact your race and it's almost like when you return to a track where, you know, maybe where you just had success or you've had success in the past, it's almost like you, you have momentum before the weekend even starts. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that works out for you, for you this weekend there, um, close to home. So you're kind of, are you even worried about the points at this, at this time or, or how does that look for you? Are you more just worried about trying to win races? Um, I'm just worried about getting myself ready for next year, honestly. Okay. Um, I would like to win. I mean, that's that's the best thing in the world for me is I love winning. Yep. But I'm I'm focused on next year more than this year, trying to prepare myself for the pro class and okay. just get ready for that. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question was um, if the plan was to still go pro next year and kind of follow what Alan's been doing, huh? Yeah, uh, I think we might. We're gonna try to plan on running the the Ironman at the end of the year if I get a bike built in time. Oh, you are okay. Okay, so yeah. so um, I didn't know if that was plan was maybe gonna change because of the collarbone thing. Um, so you'll be on a Yamaha, correct? Correct. And have you already been riding one of those a little bit, or have you not dabbled in that yet? Nope, I have only rode one one time, and it was Alan's stock bike okay. in uh, Florida in February. Okay, so yeah, so a little work ahead, but yeah, we'd love to see you uh, um, make that make that transition to the pro class at Ironman, and I think that that's a really cool thing, that that's a pro-only event, and you'd be able to do that because um, it just kind of gives you like an idea of what next year is going to be like instead of just showing up at the first race and having never raced a pro race before. Yes. That's what I totally agree with that. That's like what I did last year with pro-am. I exactly. wanted to get my feet wet yep. and see what it was like. You know, I've, I never got to run 13 or plus two or whatever. I, I don't know if it's 13 or 15, honestly. Pro class, pro class or, or pro-am. Pro-am. Yeah. I think it, what is it? 13? Yeah, I think so. I think it's so, plus two laps, but yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to see what it was like running that long. You know, I practiced that all the time, but practicing and racing are two totally, different things. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that that's a really cool thing that you'll be able to do that. That's what I did when I turned pro. I moved up um, actually at Redbud, but uh, after I had wrapped up my A-class championship. But, yeah, that'll be really cool. Um, so that was, you know, I got a million questions. Like I, like I had told you before we started recording, I got a bunch of questions from the fans for you, and, and literally probably a quarter of them were like, what kind of quad you were going to ride, where you're going to ride a Yamaha. So, and I got a bunch of questions about your hybrid. So talk, so talk about um, like how awesome those hybrids are. Like, cause they sure look like a blast to ride. They are. I mean, it's like, it's like a Porsche. It's like you're riding on a Porsche pretty much. Yeah. It looks like it. They're so light. And so they look like they're, they accelerate so fast the dirt bike engine compared to some of the atv engines that just kind of looks like you can pretty much do whatever you want and you can really showcase your style i mean it's just it looks so cool looks so fun to ride they are they're a blast you know i got the the wall frame under me and the a-arms the spring arms it handles amazing and uh impact solutions has got my shocks pretty much dialed in pretty good and you know i can handle anything on any track i feel like and i i'm i've gotten so comfortable on that bike in just two years it's crazy and i can put the bike anywhere i want to yeah yeah that's i think that's the true like testament to when you have a machine that works is you can kind of handle anything and it doesn't really feel like a curveball anymore so that's definitely how it looks when you're riding it and uh yeah i'm excited i just uh Glad you're kind of getting back healthy and looking forward to seeing you hopefully up front at Redbud. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm very excited to be back at Redbud and just be back racing overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, the, the sport is better with you. So um, before I let you go, um, I got a couple of fan questions here. And um, so so one of these one of these fans is going to win some 100 percent goodies. But um yeah, so let's ask you some of these questions uh, from the fans. So um, Brandon Abel asks, where do you see yourself in four years? Four years? That's a that's a long ways away. I'm not really sure. I'd, I'd love to be racing a pro ATV motocross, but I don't know. The sport, the sport struggles a lot sometimes, and I don't know. I don't know where I'll be. Hopefully racing, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of gonna, kind of just wait and see. But as, as long as, as long as you can be racing, you will be racing. Yeah, it's just, it's a curveball for sure. Okay, so um, we got another one here from Eliza, and she asks, um, "What made you pick number fifty-five?" Um, I was actually went to a fair race. It's you can see it from my house, and I went there, and I didn't know you needed a number plate to race. Because I didn't know anything about it. I was on a stock TRX-90, and um, we were just somewhere with our friends there, and he drew it on a paper plate, and it just stuck ever since. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that happens? That's why I like I like asking people where they got their number from, too, because a lot of times it's like it just happened, and some people don't even, don't even really have a true cool story as to how it happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or like Alan and Brogan, you know, Jeff Gordon. Oh, is that is that where that came from? I'm pretty sure that's how they got their numbers. So, so uh, what do you think your buddy Brogan's gonna do when he goes to the pro class? 
What's he going to do for I'm a not, number? I'm not really sure. We were actually talking about that the other day, and he doesn't know what he wants to do. Okay. I was wondering that myself because um, I knew Alan already had the 24, so I was curious to see what was going to happen with that. Yeah. Okay, so I got a few more. Justin Hoover asks, um, how have you overcome the mental challenges from previous injuries? Um, I wouldn't say I overcome them all the time. You know, I'll be riding and I'll hear a little noise on my bike. And ever since I broke my back, it's just like, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very like particular about my stuff now. And if I hear like my chain slap a little bit, you know, I got to go, I got to go fix that and tighten it up. Yeah. So but, for people that don't know, you, um, had something happen on the face of a jump, right? We were at Waldo. I was there at the time too. Yeah. My, uh. My valve broke and went through my piston while I was going over that double in the back, and it locked up through the air. Yeah, I remember that day like it was yesterday. Um, so, yeah, you can – nobody could blame me for, for kind of overthinking some of the noises of the bike and stuff there. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. Like you almost uh, be careful as much as you can, but you also can't think about it too much right because then it almost works against you right it almost like freaks me out sometimes like i'll be like just laying in bed and I'll, it'll just pop in my mind for some random reason i was like you know like why do i like why do i go back tomorrow and I, sometimes i don't know i just i just love doing it and you have to focus on the the good things in life and and yeah, yeah and for some people that don't know too i mean you were um you were a really good high school athlete too. So talk about like how, what is so much different about, you know, what we do with ATV motocross than maybe like a stick and ball sport with your teammates. Um, I like, I like doing it on my own. You know, I, I like depending on myself and not depending on other people. I was, I played uh, basketball, baseball, uh, soccer throughout uh, junior high and high school. And I actually had a college offer to go play soccer That's what I in, uh, Mich in Michigan, and I I would just rather be racing. I think it's almost like the that pressure and that kind of nervousness and anticipation and being the the one person that it kind of all depends on is like might be stressful for some people, but it's what we feed off of. Right. I don't want to be depending on um, somebody else to win or lose a game when I really just depend on myself from winning a race or making a mistake or something. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. Um, so I got one last question here for you. It says, and it almost kind of, I guess it kind of ties into what we're talking about, but um, Jimmy D asks, do you still get nervous on the gate and is it good to get nervous? You know, some races I do, some races I don't. Some races I can sit there and almost fall asleep and be all right. And then some races I just have the jitters. And I think it's all right to be nervous. You know, you're you're really aware of things when you're nervous. Your 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 actions are I wouldn't say they're quicker, but they're you're like really on your toes for things. Yeah, you're guess. like you're like hyper focused. Yeah, I think I always told people when I got asked that question about being nervous and is it good for you is the day I don't get nervous is the day that I probably should quit because that means I don't care. Right. Um, because, you know, people on the outside may not understand, but 
for people like you or I, I mean, this is what we eat, sleep and breathe. So like, yeah, you're probably going to be a little nervous. You're not nervous about being prepared. You know, you're prepared, but everything you do in this life right now that you're living, like everything kind of depends on, um, or is at least focused on what you do when the gate drops. Right. And you got, uh, yourself and however many other guys you got on the gate with you going to that first corner, you don't know what they're going to do. You don't know what you're going to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's kind of that, you know, that nervousness, that fear of the unknown and that pressure, like I said, is probably uncomfortable for some people, but it's what we feed off of as competitors and as athletes. Right. It's like a, a, a normal daily thing for us. Yeah. It's, it's that rush. It's that rush that you kind of, um, we seek it in a healthy way, you know, but that's what we, that's what fuels us for sure. So, um, so yeah, so those are the fan questions. Do you have one that stands out that you like the most there? Um, probably how I, uh, overcome my fears from like injuries. My injuries. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. I so, have, I have a lot of people ask me that all the time and. You know, I just, I really don't have a good answer for anybody because I really don't know how I do it. I just, I just deal with it. You kind of just take, um, I don't want to speak for you here, but you kind of take the stuff you've been through and don't learn from it. You just kind of put it in your bag so you can, um, take that growth and experiences and kind of, uh, try to, I don't know, be better prepared or, you know, just kind of help that shape you into who you are, you know? Right. I just try to, I try to build off of it. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So cool. So Justin, Justin Hoover, there's going to get some, uh, goodies from 100%. Um, so yeah, Logan, again, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I think it's really cool because we haven't had anybody join the show yet. That isn't, um, a pro already. You're kind of the first person that's a, that's an up and coming rising star. And you're one of my favorite, my favorite, uh, riders in the sport right now so um i really appreciate you coming on and we're really pulling for you i hope that you get that bike together for iron man and you kind of get your feet wet because um man i think you were asked about where you were going to be four years from now i i could easily see you being a top five pro four years from now so well i appreciate that and i'm really appreciated that you uh asked me to be on the show and it it really does mean a lot to someone who isn't the top the top dog yet so uh yeah we were grateful for your time grateful to have you and uh you're welcome back anytime i really appreciate it pal all right thank you thanks so much good luck at redbud great interview there thanks again to logan stanfield for coming on um thanks to tyler hamrick as well appreciate both of their times and for joining the show this week i gotta thank my producer dallas and my graphic designer taylor both of them put in countless hours for us and um so if you see them at, at Redbud this upcoming weekend for the live show, just thank them uh, on behalf of the show. Thank them for all their time. And um, I said it in the last show, I'll say it again. They make me look and sound probably better even than I deserve right now and you know better than the, better than the show even is right now. So thank you to those guys um, just for, for all their effort and making my vision their vision at the same time. I couldn't do it without them. I can't even thank them enough. Thanks again to our sponsors, CST Tires, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, 
four works carbon, DP brakes, 100%, and oats overnight. Again, remember to support the the brands that support us here. Um, without the support of these companies, it wouldn't be possible. And again, I just have to thank SSI decals and plug them again for helping us get all the equipment we needed for the live show. Um, again, support the brands that support us. If you like our show um, and you want to see our show continue, support the brands that believe in us and um, you know show your appreciation. Most of all, thanks to you guys. Thanks to our listeners, all the messages, posts, kind words, all the support just makes it worth it for us. Um, this is a, a really lot of work. It's something that a lot of us are spending a bunch of time on here behind the scenes. But again, all the kind words, all the support, all the people that are excited about it. Um, it just makes it worth it. So we're going to continue to cover current racing throughout the end of the season here. And then as we transition into the off season, we'll do more full episode features like we did with Chad Weenan. We'll continue to dig deep with the stars of ATV motocross. I have tons of ideas and tons of interviews that I already have either done or I'm in the process of setting up with all kinds of people that um, you're definitely going to want to hear from. So we're going to continue to dig deep with the stars of ATV motocross as we look forward to the off season. But until then, I definitely want to cover as much current racing as we can because the series is, is, is so exciting right now. Red Bud is next, and that's going to be an exciting round, but nothing's going to be more exciting than the live show. So like I said earlier, join us in one way or another for that. Super excited to feature Team USA. It's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for us and the first of its kind. So um, really, really, really excited about that. Make sure you... Like I said, either join us live, um, watch it live on our social media, or enjoy it later as a podcast. I'm going to probably do all of them. I don't know how, but I probably am. And then following uh, our weekend at Redbud, Sean Taylor is going to join the show and um, talk talk everything Redbud. Talk about the live show. Talk about the racing. He's got a lot of ties to that pro class there still. He's a guy that... Um, I raced throughout my, my whole career, really, not even just the pro class. So really excited to have uh, Shawnee T on. That'll be a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, guys, that's it for Episode 3. Remember to subscribe, like and share our posts, and tell us what you think. Give us a review. Tell your friends. Help us grow the show. I have big visions for this, and all the, all the appreciation, all the support, it really makes it worth it. So, um, again, This is episode three. Episode four is going to come fast because that's going to be the live show. And uh, episode five is going to be big too. Sean Sean E.T. is going to join us. So um, really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. And we're going to continue to dig deep with the stars of the sport. Appreciate it, guys. Until next time, thanks for listening. (laughs) 